Yes, let's look at this construction of a solar farm in regional New South Wales. It's helped bring jobs, confidence, skills and generational change to a local Aboriginal community. It all started when the construction company, Beyond Energy Solutions, really engaged at a very early stage in the project with the Wiradjuri community near Narandra. And it offered jobs, training support, whatever was needed to reverse that community's multi-generational pattern of unemployment. And that partnership between the community and the company has delivered much more than a solar farm. I'll let our next two guests explain. Shantae Lyons is a Wiradjuri and Yorta Yorta woman from Narandra, which is near Wagga. She was the local community liaison and much more, as you'll hear, for the Avonlea solar farm built by Beyond. And Beyond's manager of community engagement is Justin Coburn. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Geraldine. Hello, Good to be here. Shante, local jobs are a big issue whenever infrastructure comes to town. Can you take us back, please? What did Beyond do that was so different for your community? I think the thing that was so different was that they engaged properly with community. Justin come out first to engage with our elders. And I I think for any Aboriginal community, that, that's the first point of call. And um, then the word got out through the elders that, um, Justin was actually coming back to town and, and looking to have a meeting with the community about what job opportunities um, would be out at the solar farm. And I, I gather that after he obviously sort of met you all, he organised um, an ID day at the local TAFE. Now, this this really mattered, didn't it? Yeah, so what actually happened was Beyond employed me and um one of my sister girls, Jodie Greedy. Mm. And then from that, we looked at um, what barriers were in the community to deal with um, employment. And one of those first barriers was we didn't have identification, the proper identifications to get USIs or even for photo ID. So we so held you didn't a, have birth um, certificates ID. and you didn't have Medicare yeah. numbers and right. No, um, so a lot of people didn't weren't even on Centrelink payments. So we did, we as well as get IDs, um, we did like Centrelink claims. We did a lot with the community before we actually started training or to get USIs. We needed the identification to even get them a unique student identifier for them to do in, like um, training before they actually went out to the farm. I think in small Aboriginal communities, a lot of people aren't even registered with New South Wales um, birth deaths and marriages. So that registration process, then the process of actually gaining a birth certificate, we did it all through the ID day. Wow. Um, look, just before we actually meet Justin, um, how did? why was he different? He's, he's probably one in a million to have in our corner, if, if that's what you'd say, but the, the best thing is is that he is. I know that he's done a lot of community development. He's worked all, with a lot of Koori's alongside a lot of Koori's over the years. Um, and I guess he he just knows, he understands. And, and, yeah, he gets us. You know, like putting two engagement coordinators on in our community to overcome what was actually going on in the community for a very long time actually supported us to get employment to actually go out to the farm. I think without that process... Um, there wouldn't have been a lot of Aboriginal applicants out there. It's so it's really terrific. huge now, when you think of it. Justin, um, you know, 
what did you see when you first got there to Narandri? Obviously, you had to scan the situation and you did you work out how you were going to tackle this? Yeah, I suppose, you know, as Shantae said, the first thing was meeting with the elders and, you know, they were rightly quite sceptical of myself and beyond because, you know, there's a lot of projects that sort of go on and, and talk about that. But, you know, I was I did see a strong culture and, you know, the first community meeting we had um, was up on Sand Hills and the old mission place and, you know, I think people were really keen and they just wanted an opportunity and wanted to know that we were genuine um, and we weren't just there to tick boxes. And How you many know, people did you employ? What sort of work were you asking them to do? So this is about the mechanical construction of the solar farm. So basically all the work that goes to get the solar panels onto the structure that goes on and they're built on top of that. So And once that's all put in place, then the electricians come and wire it all up. So there's the mechanical side and the electrical side, and most of the work that we're talking about is on the mechanical side. Mm. We had over 30 local Wiradjuri people working on the solar farm, and I think from our perspective that was a really positive outcome because, you know, there was great outcomes for the community, but really good outcomes for our business. And I think it's a really good example of, you know, doing the right thing is actually good for business as well. I mean, if we hadn't have recruited those 30 local people, we would have had to go out and bring people in and there's all the costs and things associated with that. So, you know, it worked out really well for us, but also just being able to develop good relationships and, and friendships with the people in the local community as well was really important. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of firms might have gone out and looked at that uh, a community with such sort of residual um, problems allegedly around work and said, no, no, too hard. <laughs> I'll bring people in. But you didn't do that. I- I'm really intrigued as to what was going through your head. Well, it's not the first, but we've done several of these projects. So we're kind of used to, to that as well. And we realised the barriers. And I think it's just that the commitment that we've made. And I think it's part of the business has gone on this journey, and you're right, it is can be extra work and that sort of thing, but I think the important thing is we really work hard with our project team who are on board, right from, the, from our general manager, you know, down to, you know, the new apprentice or whatever, that they're, they know that we're doing this, they're on board with this, and they don't see it as a sort of additional burden. And it actually mm. works out well for us because it's really about creating a positive workplace culture and, and it, you know, we have a really high retention rate of our workers because they know that, you know, we're a company of good values that, that tries to do the right thing. So, you know, on a number of different levels, it actually works out well, which is why we've got the support to do it. We have a reconciliation action plan and this is one of the key areas that we have and, and are committed to. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, Shantae, what was it like on site once the work got underway after you got over all of these sort of preparatory stages, what did, how did people yeah. feel? What did they say to you? Oh, look, because a lot of the community members, they hadn't, a lot of them hadn't actually worked before or hadn't worked on a construction site. So we started them in stages. So if they had three or four that were experienced, they put two or three of our like our mob on from the community so that they could learn how to work out there. But it built, like it not only built their working skills, but their skills around getting to work, being at work all day, working throughout the day, building their self-esteem, them having money that we've never had in this community ever before. You know, and it and 
and I, I, I say it a lot, but, you know, when you're bringing home a wage and especially wages that be on, you know, are paying um, couriers to be out there and work, you know, they support their own families, but there's mm. enough money there for them to support community as well. So it, it may have been only 30 workers, but, you know, we could feed 300 families off that 30, off those 30 workers. Most most community that, like, we live in a sports, small, knit community, and mm. our community, we're all interrelated. So in what, some way, shape or form, even if you didn't get employment out there, you had there are effects of people that were already that were out there working, so it really you, had like a, a ripple effect. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see what you mean. Um, and there's one the story of one woman, Bella, who worked yeah, uh, from the start to the end of the project. She never missed a day. Tell us about her, please. Oh, Bell. She's she's actually my first cousin, Bell, but she's a single mum. She's a grandmother. She um. She was actually, she'd never worked before in her life. She'd overcome a lot of barriers herself in her life. Um, she ended up coming to our training days, came and meet just, met Justin and um, really engaged with us from the very beginning, really wanted a job even though she'd never had a job before. And honest, she just run with it. Like her self-esteem out there before, like, she had self-esteem within the community, but not so much with other people. And I mm. think it just she just kept on it kept on building her up. She had self-esteem. She started to earn her own money. Her kids were doing things they'd never done before. Her house is full of she's still got stuff. She bought caravans, she bought motorbikes. You know, so all <laughs> the things that come with work and all them assets, you know, that I suppose people that are employed know that they can have. In small communities like ours where there's no opportunities and there's no jobs, we don't we don't have that feeling. She's made generational change for herself, for her kids, for her family. You know, when her kids look at her now, how do they look at their mum? You know, she, she earns money. She's bringing it home to the kids. The kids and her are living a pretty good life. And, and it all started just from an opportunity from um, a solar company. And the, these, Justin, re- these were sort of often, like, these are long w- working weeks occasionally. I mean, the, some people work 55 hours a week, I gather. Absolutely, and it's not easy. You're outside and it was in the pre-employment stuff and Shantae organised this, but she organised walking groups as well because you can walk up to 10 or 15 kilometres a day on site. So it's not easy work and that's the hard part about retention, but we did have a high retention rate and, you know, that's, you know, on site... Part of that is also, as I said, we've been doing this for quite a while, but it's about cultural awareness training. We're having the elders come to site and speak to us and tell us about the local culture and how our yeah. systems might be improved to improve retention and that type of thing. But and also you didn't have, have you, like you didn't have a high absenteeism rate because I know there'll be listeners saying, what about their absenteeism rate? No, no higher than anyone else, but, you know, they're – I think one of the things is, you know, for sorry business, there is probably higher absentee rates for that. But as long as the site people understand that and know, that's fine. We're just that's just factored in. You know, and, and look, that's quite, part of it. And that's where I come into play. So when someone passed away in the community, I would let um, Dennis know, I'd let Justin know, and we'd actually organise, we even organised for the Beyond Bus to bring people in to go to the funeral. And if they wanted to be picked up after or they wanted to stay at the funeral, so that was all organised through the engagement process. 
So mm. I think Beyond um, Justin really knew, like, sorry, business is a big part of community. We, we bury a lot of people and, mm. and I suppose um, made sure that, you know, if if we could help it or support in any way while they're out there work, and we would. Yeah, no, no, that's, I mean, it's interesting, obviously, just the degree of interaction and understanding that you're in a slightly different, well, maybe, you know, you, you're accounting for differences in the local community, just which all good workplaces do. So what happened, Justin, once the project was drawing to a close? I understand you both put a lot of thought into this to avoid the disappointment of unemployment again. Yeah, and I think that's another sort of lesson over the years that we've learnt, that you know, these aren't long-term jobs and we kind of see them as a stepping stone of getting back into the workforce. But we did notice on other farms, you know, it came to an end and people weren't sure what to do. So pretty much from the time Shantae started on site, it was part of her job description that she had to make sure to know when people were finishing up, have all the documentation ready, CVs, reference, and also to engage with businesses to try and get them ongoing employment I mean, it was pretty successful. I think perhaps Shantae, you can speak to that a bit bit better than I yeah, could. Go ahead, Shantae. Yeah, so um, that's exactly what we did. So as, um, you know, when they started to finish up, what about a month or two before we actually finished, I started to get jobs, like jobs that were being advertised a month before or jobs that were advertised two months before and actually given, printing them all out, getting people to fill them out supporting them to do that, doing references or asking Dennis to do references for them, putting Justin down on their CVs so that Mm. um, they had something after the farm. It wasn't just the farm and then they finished up because everyone that was there when we finished wanted jobs. No one wanted to go home and and sit sit on Centrelink. Everyone wanted jobs. And I guess everyone that finished up out at the farm um, had jobs. Can you see that it's changed relations or perceptions in Narandra, would you say? I'd say it's changed a lot of perception in Narandra. I'd say that council even started um, actually employing Aboriginal people. Um, council would say previously that they had Aboriginal people there, but no Aboriginal people that were actually identified in the community. So what they started to do was actually we started a relationship with the general manager. Justin actually did that. And the general manager started to send out everything that they were advertising. So everything that they advertised, labourers, they sent out to me and then we started to apply. And I think there was two, three, five Aboriginal people put on after the farmers finished. That's huge statistics for our community. I mean, really, it's wonderful to hear. Um, I mean, Justin, it's such a good outcome. But, I mean, I know that traditional owners are increasingly negotiating for equity or for stakes in renewable projects. This is a sort of a new era dawning on us. I think that's mostly happening in WA. Are you seeing anything like this? Well, there's there's a big movement in this area with the First Nations Clean Energy Network that was established about 18 months ago, and they've been working with the federal government. And so we've been just talking about entry-level jobs, but then there's other opportunities, Aboriginal businesses, you know, to get involved in the supply chain. But ultimately, it's about equity ownership and partnership in these projects. There's still a lot of work to do. The First Nations Clean Energy Network recently had 
um, partners over from Canada, First Nations people from Canada talking about their experiences over there. And they actually own 20% of renewable energy projects in Canada. So mm. they had a lot of advice for how this could be done. But, you know, these are, I suppose we're talking about a, a renewable energy revolution and the idea is to learn from the mistakes from the mining industry in terms of engagement and benefit sharing with First Nations communities. There's still a lot of work to be done, but and New South Wales recently with the renewable energy zones is also working on that as well. Right. So no, that's we'll ve- that is very interesting to hear about the sort of um, the impact of looking what happened at mining. Um, my producer Belinda's just reminded me that you you had uh, quite an interesting approach, Justin. People would come to you who who had been in prison and they hadn't possibly worked at all or not for many years, and you effectively wiped the slate clean and said, you know, we'll start again. So that, there's quite a lot of decisions by you. Yeah, but by the company and the business, yeah. But it's just, you know, there's partnerships we've had in Victoria with the Department of Justice as well because particularly with First Nations peoples, you know, there's a lot of people that might have a, you know, something that they did when they were 16-year-old and, you know, to be frank, if they were white Australians, they probably, you know, wouldn't have had the same, even a record. So it's just about giving people the opportunity. And what we found, you know, we've had examples of that, People in that situation, when they get an opportunity like that, they take it with both hands and they repay the favour, you know, in double. I think when people are getting out of jail, especially in my community, there's no services to support them to be better. I think mm. Beyond come at a time when our men were looking for something bigger and, and had just got out of prison or had been out of prison for six months and I can tell you probably weren't on the best road. This gave them the opportunity to stay on a really good road, you know, heal themselves, get employment and see what prospects, better prospects in their lives. And, I, and I, 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 you know, two or three of them have got full-time employment now. So and they and they worked really hard out there, not only to build themselves up, to you know, to give back because it, mm. they knew that they'd never have an opportunity like that again. Look, thank you both very much for telling us about this. If I ever drive past the Avonlea Solar Farm <laughs> just south of Nevada, I'll know it's produced a lot of energy in all sorts of ways. Congratulations to you both, Justin Coburn and Shantae Lyons. Thanks so much. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. And Justin is the Stakeholder Engagement Manager. That's a new title, isn't it? For Beyond Energy Solutions and the marvellous Shantae Lyons with us. Shantae's gone on to work for Spark Energy. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.